Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access Access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers so you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. So today we're going to be talking about Josh's chapter on the 12 common challenges for government contractors. And I'm just going to say right out of the gate, I know we don't have time to talk about every single one of these chapters or every single one of these challenges. I did want to give you a a minute to kind of kick us off and lay the foundation for the chapter a little bit. And then there's a couple that I really want to dig into. In terms of the common challenges that I decided to touch on in, in the book, one which we're probably going to dig into realistic expectations. Expectations. Uh, but I talked about, you know, Beta Sam. I uh, talked about, you know, communicating your value. Probably one of the most important in my book is, uh, you know, the focus on pre-acquisition versus acquisition mm. activities. You know, and, and and I talk about bid matching tools and why you shouldn't get a really expensive paid one unless you can do certain things. And of course, your typical socioeconomic status. You know, if you think you're going to win because you're minority or woman or veteran or hub zone, uh, you're probably not. And we explain why. But th- those are some of the common things that, that I talk through. And, and I don't think any of them are a major surprise to you. Yeah. Yeah. No major surprises. But I, I think for a lot of people, not only just reemphasizing this, I think is important, but, but talking about them from our perspective, you know, we see hundreds of businesses come through every year in free coaching sessions. And we see thousands of businesses every year at conferences and events and different things like that. And so I, I think the perspective is not arbitrary in any way. You know, it, it's one of those things where we have really studied a lot of these companies and you can really, you can boil it down to about a dozen things that they're having a challenge with. And even today when I get on, uh, you know, coaching calls, I'm always like, there's one of about a dozen things you're probably struggling with and we're going to go through them all and and, Mm -hmm. and touch on those a little bit. Absolutely. 
you, you talked a little bit uh, in the intro there about the pre-acquisition versus a- acquisition. And since you highlighted that as one that you think is super important, why don't you, you talk about that challenge a little bit? Yeah, you know, and, and, and for our listeners, uh, you know, Mike and I, we're, we're, we're constantly tag teaming on this issue with whether it's our uh, our, our clients that are, that are members of uh, federal access or, or or we coach on a daily weekly basis pre-acquisition and acquisition you know Mike you and I we talk about 80 percent of any company's time should be spent in pre-acquisition and for those companies that spend all their time looking in beta Sam for opportunities that are looking in their PTAC bid matching system for opportunities that are looking in there, you know, $18,000 Dell Tech or Bloom, you know, Bloomington or, or whatever system it is out there, right? You're not going to win a lot of contracts. I'm not guessing. Mike, you're not guessing. We yeah. know this. You don't win because you're spending all your time looking for opportunities to bid on. What I always tell our clients is 80% of your time, 80% should be pre-acquisition, which means you know which three targets, agencies you're targeting. You know that your focus should be on collecting market intelligence and information and not simply bidding on RFPs or RFQs. All those pieces, and there is a, obviously the book doesn't go through this, that's more for, you know, if you're on the federal access system, but 80% of the time, you need to be doing what everybody else is not doing, which is positioning in the market. So pre-acquisition and acquisition, uh, and let's level set and back up from that. Pre-acquisition is before the RFP or the RFQ is released. Acquisition is just what it sounds. The RFP, RFQ is on the street and you have to write a bidder proposal. Most companies that enter the space, whether you're small, mid-tier or large, you have to understand that you're not going to consistently and successfully win government contracts unless you're focused pre-acquisition. We talk about it all the time. I think it's just one of those things where people think, one mode and not that there are two. They're not they're not thinking about the pre-acquisition. They're just thinking about this cycle and trying to stay in it. And you know, where do you spend your time? And I know you talk about that in another chapter in the the Becoming a GovCon Expert book. You talk about the daily battle rhythm and breaking down mm, the time yeah. and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And and we we have a separate podcast on, on that one as well. And just how important it is to even look at, you know, what you're doing on a daily weekly business daily, weekly, monthly basis, and also looking at, you know, how much time you spend in these systems and and all of those kind of things. And so why not take a look at pre-acquisition versus acquisition and, you know, how that fits into the strategic versus tactical side of things? Yeah. And, you know, that's a great point. Let me add to that. You know, you just use the words tactical and strategic. That's how you break down pre-acquisition, acquisition. acquisition. Pre-acquisition is your strategic look, right? Acquisition is your tactical. If you do it 90% of, of the, you know, counselors, consultants, coaches in the market tell you to do, you know, they say, hey, you got to talk to a small business office. Hey, you need to look for opportunities, you know, online. You need to do all these things. And if you were to, and what I would ask our listeners to do is, all right, let's say, let's say you've never spoken to Mike or myself before. You've never seen us present at a conference. You've never read one of our books. You, you're not a member of FA. And, and you're, you're coming to us for the very first time, right? Take a look at what everybody's told you to do and put
put a check mark next to it and say, is this tactical? Is this strategic? I guarantee 95% of everything you've been told to do, right? Whether it's profit, nonprofit folks, counselors, coaches, consultants, mentors, colleagues, 95% is going to be something that is you're doing after an acquisition has hit the street. And we can tell you, I mean, Mike and I, we both can tell our listeners, you're not going to win a lot of contracts if that's what your focus is. You really got to get into the understanding pre-acquisition and what that means to your corporate strategy and what it means to your corporate business development mm-hmm. process. Yeah, I, I think there's something, I'll just use this word for it. I think there's something sexy to focusing on tactical revenue Ooh, where it's, it, it's this bright, shiny, gorgeous thing to hop into your bid matching system and see some stuff and, hey, this is short-term tactical revenue. We could actually win this in the next 30, 60, 90 days. That's what goes through your brain. And mm-hmm. it really is this bright, shiny object that you have no intelligence on and no you just you're just hey <laughs> kind of shooting for the stars and and I, I don't want to downplay you can win short-term tactical revenue sure. that you don't have intelligence on but you can't build a business and a focus without strategy and so if you're just churning tactical opportunities you're going to wake up and not have opportunities one day you're yeah. going to wake up and be like how are we going to become who we want to be whereas strategic is the least sexy thing because you're trying to think of of long-term, where we want to go, how we want to grow, all those kind of things. And it doesn't fit with a society that wants everything instantly. And so, but if you look at the two things and you have a balance of tactical and strategic objectives going on, where, hey, yes, we need revenue to keep the lights on, but long-term, here's (laughs) where we're going. Then, you know, six, 12, 18 months down the road, you've got all of these things that are starting to be kind of like this waterfall of opportunities happening happening, um, you know, amongst all of these little tactical things that are popping as well. It's just, it's a very different type of business. Yeah. And, and, and let me pivot on that. Uh, you know, I, I, I like to go into my little, you know, soapboxes, go down the, the rabbit hole, et cetera. My guess is a lot of our, our listeners are, are asking the same question that all of our clients initially ask, which is what the heck's the difference? What are the activities for pre-acquisition? What should I be doing? Right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. great to hear, you know, uh, you know, Mike and I, you know, Mike and I, I'm talking in the third person, Mike, you know, the <laughs> two of us talking about, you know, well, gee, you need to focus pre-acquisition. But of course you're asking the questions, well, what does that mean? What does it look like? Right. What yeah. does it look like? What are my activities, you know, that are tactical versus strategic? The, the answer is they are, there are different ones depending on where you are, uh, whether we're talking marketing, we're talking sales, we're talking teaming, we're yeah. talking proposals, we're talking back office operations. And and we can't just go all through all of that in, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But again, that's all of that is broken down in federal access though, right? I mean, that's right, the whole right. reason we put that system together. So uh, for those of you, you know, Mike didn't ask me to do this, but for those of you that are going, okay, I get it. I understand the importance, but how do I do it? Just go to federal access and and take a look and um, all those tactics and strategies and activities yeah. Are broken down for you. Yeah. Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Federal Access. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> federal access federal-access.com yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not we didn't do that purposely yeah but, yeah we didn't anyway. do that on purpose but uh but it's always great to put pl- to plug it you know there's you know there's there's a thousand plus active members in there so it, it there's a reason to talk about it every now and then so so yeah I, I think you know talking about the strategic versus tactical stuff the the pre-acquisition versus acquisition that that's that's really powerful something else you cover in this chapter that jumped out to me was using beta.sam and the, the mm-hmm. reason I asked you to talk about that for a minute here is and hopefully I'm not stealing any thunders I just I see so many people in the market bashing this platform and they're like oh it sucks it's worse than FPDS and now you know and, and, and all these just a plethora of reasons why hey we hate this system we hate this system first off you're probably always going to hate everything the government does the first time it's just the way it is a lot of times but that's okay but but we you and i have found a lot of value in this system and i think we're the kind of people that also go you know what this is what we have and this is what we're going to work with so how do we work with it it's really cool right now to hate beta.sam <laughs> it's cool to be a hater, right? Yeah, it is cool to be a um, hater. Yeah, as, as you implied, uh, a lot of our colleagues in the market uh, are complaining about Beta Sam. And here's the thing. They all do have some grounds. They have some pretty good grounds to be complaining. Yeah, and, and I would agree. And, yeah, it's Beta Sam, like any government system. First of all, you know, the integrated award environment, right? The IAE, uh, which, which that's what SAM and FPDS, Federal Procurement Data Systems, been migrated in. FBO has been migrated in. All these systems. If we were just talking, if we were just talking the FBO, the old FBO functionality, and now it's, you know, Beta SAM's, you know, contract opportunity search, they'd still be moaning and complaining. But because you've got like a dozen systems all coming into this integrated award environment, this is, folks, this is the future. You're looking at the next 25 years. Okay, they're 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 they they won't be redoing all these systems again for for several decades. You know, yes, yes, Mike, I agree with you. The standard search in what is now called beta.sam, it'll eventually beta will disappear and it'll just be Sam, but for the time of this recording, it's a mess, okay? Only from the respect it's only a mess if you really don't know how to use it, hmm. ding, 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 like everything else in business. We're not in even life. talking government. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's li- life in general. If you don't know how to use something, yeah, it's going to give you trouble. <clears throat> if all you're going to do is, you know, go in and start searching and go, well, I know how to do searches. Yeah, you're going to have some issues. Whether you are unselecting the active box on the top left of beta.sam, whether you know the difference between when you use keywords with your next codes or just your next code or just your keyword, you need to be doing all the above, right? I have found, you have found over time that beta.sam is probably one of the most powerful, most important, most valuable systems that we have as government contractors. Mm -hmm. You know, in the chapter, I talk about three different pieces. There's a lot of pieces. I mean, if you do, you and I were working with a, with a client last week on SCA rates with the department of labor, right? If you're going to have those type of rates, yeah, you need to know how to look them up. You need to know what it means to add so much for fringe and and health and everything else. But I don't talk all that. I, I talk the three most common and those are your opportunity search, your entity information and using the data bank. Now, if anybody here does not not does not not, there we go, does yeah. not know how to use the data bank, we have an hour and a half training video. I mean, step 
by step, what fields you use. So I don't want to go through all the data bank here today, but that's the replacement for FPDS. That, you want market intelligence? Powerful. That, oh, it's crazy awesome. Crazy awesome. So, you know, whether you're looking for teaming partners, you're using the data bank, the entity search, uh, or, or the basic search. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I just think that when you see a lot of people new to the market, they get overwhelmed with, hey, you need one of these ten, fifteen thousand dollars systems and you need what I would consider information overload. I just see too many people that feel like they need thousands and thousands of records when in reality you don't. You just they're 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 wanting so much information that is really just noise. You know what you just did? You just linked the bid matching tools to the acquisition pre-acquisition discussion we just had five minutes ago. Bid match tools, also known as contract management tools, also known as intelligence tools. These are the tools that identify who buys what you sell, how much, and how often. It's what we call propensity right. reviews. Well, guess what? All these bid matching tools, they are Pretty much, for the most part, take this to the bank, the 20%, the acquisition yeah. phase, for the most part. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. Why would you pay $15,000, $20,000, $8,000, or whatever it may be if you don't even know how to focus on the 80%, the pre-acquisition. Because, mm -hmm. and that's what all this comes down to. We can we can circle all of this together and say, hey, we've told you 80% of your time should be pre-acquisition. And then what does everybody talk about? Bid matching tools, right? Whether you're getting a free one from the PTAC, yep. whether you're paying for one, and by the way, there's a thousand out there. Yeah, there really are a thousand bid matching tools on the market. Getting Paying money for any of those tools, Mike, is a waste of your money unless you understand how to focus your marketing and your business development in pre-acquisition phase. Right, right. That's it, what it all comes down to. It's almost like you're you're paying money to spend 80% of your time in the area that you should be spending 20% of your time. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's exactly right. You know, it's like, yes. wait a minute. D did I really hear that right? Yeah, you really heard that right. You're paying money to spend 80% of your time in the wrong area. Yep. And I don't want to be the guy that sounds like, hey, well, I'm bashing bid matching systems or anything like that. They have a use. Yep, They're very really, much. really good. Um, there's some phenomenal tools. We use some of those tools. Every and day we it, use some of and, those And tools. we have clients that use them and we advocate for using them in the right place, but but knowing the right tool for the right... It, it's the difference between knowing when you need a hammer and when you need a screwdriver. You know, it's kind of like that. Like, hey, I'm nailing something today, so I need a hammer versus, you know, oh, I need a screwdriver or a drill. Like, you've got to know what tool you need for the purpose and not saying, well, everything's a nail. Right. You yeah. know, that's just, that's just not the way it is. So, so good, good stuff there. Uh, you know, before we get out of here today, though, I want to hit this one topic. And to me, this is one of the most important topics. You put it first in the chapter and it's about realistic expectations. I, I think the expectations on somebody getting into government contracting are they're so crazy. <laughs> they're so crazy wide. Mm -hmm. And I think because they've been set by outside forces. So there's there's usually somebody that's convinced you to chase government where that's often my first question is it for people that are trying to get in the market. Hey, I'm trying to get in the market. Well, why? Tell me, explain to me why you think you should get in the market, kind of what your thoughts are, what your expectations are. And they're, they're really all over the map. So why, why don't you talk to us a little bit about having realistic expectations in this market? Uh, it's real simple. 
and it's really complex. Start with the, you know, how many touches does it take to win a commercial contract? Right. Let's just start there. It's going to take you uh, seven to 10 touches, right? Uh, that's everything from phone calls, meetings, emails, whatever. But seven to 10 touches. Some will go, oh, it's 12, whatever. Uh, it's seven to 10, 12, whatever it is. Government is going to be anywhere from probably 10 to 25. Think about that for a minute. 25. Five touches. But you know what? Those 25 touches don't seem like a lot when you're winning a two and a half million, a 10 million, yeah. a $50 million contract. You yeah, know? Yeah. Having realistic expectations, first and foremost, I'm not going to go through everything in the chapter, but, but at a very high level, you are going to not sell as fast as in the commercial space. That's the very first expectation. Right. Now, there are exceptions, right? Uh, if you sell product and commodity, right? Let's say you're doing it through dibs. Yeah, as long as you have your Dun num your Dun's number, your soon to be Sammy number. But as long as you have that number, you have a, an accountant Sam, you have an accountant Dibs, uh, DLA's Internet Bid Board System, whatever. Yeah, you can win in a, in literally a matter of days. That is unusual. It is not the norm. It, it will not be consistent. You will not successfully be consistent. So realistic expectations. Yeah, the average company. I say this all the time. Average company uh, takes three to five years to win a government contract. Now think, chew on that for a minute. Three to five years. So it's no surprise that probably 80, 90% of those companies, what do they fail to do, Mike? They fail to win a contract. That's right. Right? You can cut that down um, if you have the right tactics, the right strategies, the right activities, focusing pro uh, you know, uh, exceptionally well in pre-acquisition phase, using the right tools, when you're supposed to be using them, you do all those things, you can cut it down to about a year, okay? Now, now our, our, our clients do it six to 12 months, but there's a, there's a little bit more to it than that. But in general, if, if you were to never work with, with us, you're looking at about a year, and that's really good compared to three to five. Yep. So realistic expectations, if you are in trouble from a cash flow perspective, if you have employees sitting on the bench and you're worried about how you're going to pay their salary, government is not for you. Right. I don't know how else to say it other than you just have to have the right expectations. You have to think strategically, uh, right tactics, right strategies, right activities. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And, and I think looking at, at the realistic expectations as kind of the foundation there, that helps set the foundation for, okay, we know it's going to take time. We're okay with that. We have the cash flow to manage that. We understand it's going to take 10 to 25 touches. We understand that it might take 12 to 18, 24 months for a specific contract. Just because there's that much mm -hmm. going on over that length of time for that to happen, it really helps set the pace so that you're not six months in going, Going, well, we're, we're going to need a new sales director because this isn't working. Yeah, and then that's, six months later, I, going, I, I we need a new one. Mike, I can't tell you how many times I get calls from whether it's clients or our federal access clients and going, you know, ah, oh, we need a new this. We need a new salesperson. And it's like, what are your expectations and how long have they been with you? Yeah. You know, so yeah, like, oh, they've been here three months. Why don't we have 20 million dollars in government contracts? You know, we're a service disabled veteran owned company that oh, just got in the market three weeks don't ago. Don't start with the statuses. <laughs> 
anyway, <laughs> yeah, anyway, which, I, I digress. No, yeah, all yeah, no, all good stuff. And I'll I'll close this up with with this. And I don't know if you have any final thoughts, but we touched on three of the twelve common challenges here in the podcast today. Again, there's twelve. If you don't have a copy of the book, go grab your copy. It's on Amazon. Becoming a GovCon expert. It goes through all of these and a whole lot more. Josh, thanks for coming on and talking about this today. It's been really helpful. Oh, you bet, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers. Game Changers.